good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Movies on the Brain podcast. I am not your normal host, Brian Seawood. I am normally in the co-pilot's chair. I am Chad Mitt. Uh Brian and I actually tried to get together a little earlier to record our normal pod. And through technical difficulties, we weren't able to get it together. Um, but he... He knows that uh, Warner Brothers has done some things, and I have some things to get off my mind. So he was just like, go ahead and record a solo pod. So I'm here to do that. And bef- but, you know, wouldn't you know it, before I actually get sit down to do it, um, there's a big story that drops about Warner Brothers before I can even record. So it kind of blew up. Some of my rant because it, it it touches on some things that it says some things or reveals some things that that either we didn't know before or uh, that I kind of want I had some things to say about but we didn't have information so uh, this isn't even going to be what I had planned out because you know with these rants I, I kind of map them out but we'll we'll see what happens on this one I'm going to try to keep this to thirty minutes we'll see what happens. Uh, and hopefully I can get that done. And hopefully I don't ramble too much where our producer extraordinaire Grant Fletcher doesn't have to cut a whole bunch of stuff out. All right. So without without further ado, um, Warner Brothers has been busy for the past. Well, news about Warner Brothers has been busy for like the past week. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that um, the long gestating anticipated movie Black Adam is coming out uh what, three, four days from when I record this? I'm recording this on Monday night, the 17th. Black Adam comes out the 21st, so Friday, this coming up Friday. Um, and, and because of that, now, because of that, I, I don't know how to approach this one because the movie hasn't come out yet. But, if, I mean, if you haven't, if you listen to this show, you're probably on the internet. So you've probably seen what people are talking about for Black Adam. But, with that said, um, this is going to be spoilers, and they're going to be spoilers throughout the rest of the show. So if you want to see Black Adam unabated, you can cut this off now. This should be more or less an evergreen pod, depending on what Warner Brothers does. It could outdate it because of them, but not because of me. Uh, you can come back after you watch Black Adam and then listen to this, and you won't be spoiled. So now's a chance to leave. All right, if you're still here. It's pretty much an open secret that Superman is in Black Adam. It's been running, I want to say consistently for like a month, with people saying that Superman is in Black Adam. And not just Superman. It is actually Man of Steel actor Henry Cavill in Black Adam. And like I said, it's been an open secret. So, So much so that the premiere happened last week. Uh, Rock was on the world tour and and there are specific interviews where people are basically without saying the name Superman they're like uh, so with the ending things are going to change and Rock has said himself um, you know he's he stopped interviews about to be done he stops the interview and he's like so what did you think about the ending so they're all but telling us that Superman Henry Cavill is in this movie and if you know how I feel about Superman, then you know that I am filled with a, a measure of joy because I am a Superman fan. Uh, I love 
I love Man of Steel. I thought I thought Henry Cavill was a great Superman that wasn't given his due. I thought the shortcomings of Man of Steel uh, were not his fault. And then the movie he was given, the subsequent movies, the two that follow, uh, hamstrung him so much where Batman versus Superman basically erased the character growth of the entire movie of Man of Steel and started him at a point of just pure angst and self-doubt. And then Justice League, well, depending on what version you you watch and or like, I think both of them did the character better. I think Justice League actually did him. If I had to pick, I think Justice League was more faithful to Superman than Zack Snyder's Justice League. Justice League 2017 was more faithful than Zack Snyder's Justice League, even though I think Zack Snyder's Justice League did a better job. Actually, it's probably Zack's best portrayal of Superman in the movie he's done. But the movie that people saw was 2017, and they saw the mess of CG and they saw the rushed and hacked up movie. So he got saddled with all that. I didn't think it was fair. I thought that uh, if you gave him a chance, like a clean slate of a solo movie, he could have really become our vision of what a modern Superman on screen was. So I said all that to say, you know, that the big thing is that, He's back. And I'm very happy about that. I was so happy, in fact, that uh, things that we'll talk about later, I was willing not to ignore, but I was just so happy from this. I didn't really have the bandwidth to address WB on another level. Now, with the with getting Superman back, um, a lot of this, a lot of the the. A lot of the thanks are going to go to Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And before I get into exactly what he did, my feelings on The Rock, um, if you don't know me, um, I was probably The Rock's biggest fan growing up in wrestling. So much so that 19-year-old Chad decided to get a tattoo. And ironically, it came down to uh, the Superman symbol. And the Rock's Brahma Bull tattoo. And 19 year old Chad chose the Brahma Bull. So I am very, I've always been very enamored with the Rock. So, so when I go to, so keep that in mind when I talk about him from this point on. But in his press tour, the Rock has kind of hinted at uh, the, the trials and tribulations of getting Superman back to the, bringing Superman back, specifically bringing Henry Cavill back. And this is more of this comes up later when we talk about the article that came out. But in one of the, one of the press hits he did, and I'm, this is his direct quote, it takes care of the fans and that's what you want your lead foot to be. So yes, phone calls, meetings, but man, it was six years. This was six years to get that done. I'm going to say that again. Six years, we first started talking about this, and they kept saying no. Now, that leadership isn't there anymore. Laughs. He laughs. Because we usher in a new era in the DC universe, and we usher, an old era, uh, usher out an old era. Um, and the question was about, uh, you know, 
what it, what went into getting this to happen. So when I when I like so when I read that and when I started digging into stuff, then I you know reality started setting in and my my euphoria of Superman kind of came down. So and starting with this, um, the fact that I mean and we knew this because over the years you know Henry Cavill's manager is Danny Garcia, the Rock's, the Rock's ex wife. And president of Seven Bucks Production, they are production uh, partners. She's she's the manager of Henry Cavill. She kept saying that the cape was in his closet, and we heard that she was trying to get him a new deal. And Cavill wanted a new deal, and they almost came. It seemed back in the day after Justice League, it seemed like they were going to get there, but then it all just died. And then when you so when I see this quote, it's like, okay, so. It really was the people in charge that did not want to touch Henry Cavill as Superman. And I understand why. As much as I disagree with their decision, they're looking at it as Henry Cavill was Superman headlining three movies, Man of Steel, Batman vs. Superman, and Justice League. They think all three underperformed. I would argue that that is... I would argue that Man of Steel underperformed their expectations, but did not underperform, period. The other two, quite frankly, did. But that was a, I would argue that that was a, a, that was a result of leadership and decision-making above what Henry Cavill can do. And if you gave him to more competent people, he would succeed. And I don't think people had a problem with him. And I think my point was further proven with, you know, Wonder Woman coming out, people liking her. Granted, they liked her in Batman versus Superman, but she got on a movie. People liked her. Aquaman went on to make a billion dollars. He was in the he were in those two movies too. They're making the flash currently. I've all I've heard that the movie is good. So you have all these other pieces that that work. So why not try one more time with Superman? But that old regime did not. And when he says the old regime, the old leadership, uh, you can't help but to think it's Walter Hamada. And the article that came out today further solidifies that it was Walter Hamada that was, you know, the, uh, the, the one halting this. But in saying all this um, and looking more into it, it's like, why, so why are they pumping up Superman now? Why, why are they pretty much telling us that uh, Superman is going to be in Black Adam? Well, seeing some of the, the insiders on, twi- uh, on Twitter, um, you know, Devin Farachi, who I didn't know was still a thing, but him and folks like Jeff Snyder, they were basically alluding to the fact that the people in charge have seen the tracking for Black Adam. It freaked them out. So now they're, they're trying to goose the numbers by putting Superman out there. And if that's the case, um, I, have, I have more concerns now about these people than before. Because while I think there is a fan base for Henry Cavill, while I think that online, if you put in Henry Cavill, you will see a swell of support. I don't think Henry Cavill as Superman is enough to move the needle for Black Adam. Be. Because the general public doesn't know 
almost any of this. The general public didn't know anything about the mess that was Batman versus Superman behind the scenes, the mess that was Justice League behind the scenes. They just know the movies that they saw. And while I do think they would be forgiving of Henry Cavill in a new movie, I don't think, coming from the movies he came from, I don't think him being in this one is enough to bump up Black Adam substantially. So if, they're, if that's what they're counting on, I think that's faulty decision-making. And that makes me like worried about all the other decisions they're going to make. And it gets me concerned because if they're trying to pin, if there's a world that they pin the reaction that, or the fact that Superman didn't goose the reaction, do they see, do they start to sour on who the Superman is? When I think, again, putting into an impossible situation. So that started my concern. My, and, and, and now I'm going to, that started my concern. And then I was able to turn back into the righteous anger for the company itself, because the company of Warner brothers discovery is an absolute dumpster fire. It's so it's all about money for Warner brothers, Warner brothers discovery right now. They're trying to cut $3 billion. And in doing that cut, we've already seen, you know, earlier this summer, we had the cancellation of Batgirl and things like that. And they had a round of layoffs. And last week, we had another round of layoffs. Everyone knew it was coming. So everyone knew it was coming. But then you see where I didn't see all of the details where all the cuts were coming from. Apparently, all of the, the units were told, this is what you need to cut to make things happen. Uh, and normally when that happens, that means layoffs uh, and, and whatever the cost-cutting measure they can have. But what centered most of the people on the internet were, was the dissolution of Cartoon Network Animation Studios merging with and then merging that with Warner Brothers Animation. So, you know... In the corporate speak, they're trying to reduce the redundancy because it was two animation studios. Let's make it one animation studio. Um, however, they did different things. Warner Brothers Animation focuses on, uh, they have the theatrical, they do do, um, let's see, one, as one of my podcasts used to, actually, um, okay, no. Yeah, Warner Brothers did, they, they have the, um, they do the, the features, Looney Tunes, that kind of stuff. Cartoon Network, as one of my podcasts uh, says, is basically the old Hanna-Barbera studios. That's basically what Cartoon Network studios were. And all the Cartoon Network shows came out of that house. And if you notice, a lot of those shows uh, has a lot of, they're very progressive. They have a lot of diversity, a lot of different views and thoughts coming in there. So, Again, it's a, it was another way you, you cut, you're cutting off some of your legs in, in doing this. Now, the internet did take it far and say that Cartoon Network was like done as we know it. That's not the case. They'll still be working. The, the Cartoon Network shows that they were working on before, they'll be doing it under Warner Animation. Now, will it eventually cause changes? Yes. Will it... Um, Will it cap off some of these progressive shows, some of these very diverse shows? Probably. But as of right, but it's not going to shutter the station. 
Um, there was another thing in the um, oh part and part of the the cost cutting cost cutting measures. They were going to cut a um, like a writer studio that they set up that uh, gave opportunities to uh, more diverse underserved voices. And they were going to cut that part of the studio. Now, originally, they reversed course really quickly on that. Originally, what was said was that all the studios have an arm like this, and it's like a, a contractual thing with the, uh, with the uh, I don't know if it's the DGA or the WGA, the Directors Guild or Writers Guild, but one of the guilds, and they couldn't do it. Now, I, saw, I, I then saw that the spin didn't include that part and the quotes they got from the, the guilds didn't include that in their updated press release saying they were uh, pleased that Warner Brothers was reversing the decision, but their contractors are obligated to have it and they didn't even have their ducks in a row to know that before they tried to cut it. They couldn't even save face and not do it. Like somebody in the meeting was like, we can, that's one of the things we can cut. And somebody didn't have the wherewithal to know, no, we can't do that. They just ran with it. And then they got egg on their face and had to come back. And that is not how you want to run this. There's been nothing but bad press for Warner Brothers, particularly when it comes to these high-level decisions. And that's what we're talking about. The high-level the high level decision makers, they've chosen a course. You know that, and that's their prerogative. The course is burning a lot of bridges, and they're taking a lot of short-term. They're making a lot of short-term solutions to fix short-term problems, and they might be creating even bigger long-term problems. And WB already has massive long-term problems. So these little, the little fixes they might be doing might work for like the next year or two, but five, ten years down the line. The studio could be still be suffering from the things they're doing right now because they don't they didn't have the the foresight to to do something different. And it's just frustrating for somebody like me that there's WB has so many properties that I love. Like not even just I mean, you know, if you listen to this, you know comic book stuff, the DC stuff. Yes, that's my heart. But I love the Looney Tunes. I love Looney Tunes. I watch Looney Tunes at least once a week. I have, I'm looking at my Looney Tunes collection right now. Um, they have Tom and Jerry. They have the old Hanna-Barbera cartoon. I think they don't do enough with those things. I wish they would do more. I wish they would do more animated features. And then, you know, HBO is like this crown jewel of, of entertainment. And HBO Max, as it is right now, it's like the second streaming service I go to. The only reason I don't go to it more is because I want to watch the movies on there and I just don't have the time to do it, but it's a great thing. And this company is like telling us we're making these decisions that are going to drastically change all those things and change is inevitable, but I don't know if the changes they're going to make are going to be good. But anyway, so originally I was going to end with just some brief thoughts about, you know, with all that said, I think one area that might actually survive and be better off 
now than when they started is DC on film um, with their restructuring of the universe. It's going more in line with something that I want. So I have to acknowledge that it's a shared universe that is not so heavily connected as what I want. And that seems to be what they're going back to. They're bringing back characters that characters and actors that I like and maybe giving them a new lease on life in that structure. I have to acknowledge that, but there, but the overall company feels like it's on fire. And the DC room is like, they can see the fire out the window, but they're like, but they're getting the room in order just so they can make the best of what's going to happen. And that's my best analogy for that. Um, the down, the one downside I was going to mention with that is that by bringing in Cavill back, by having all these people that we already know, it gives the Snyderverse fans a breath of life that Zach will come back. Again, you can like the Snyderverse stuff. I'm not telling you not to. It's outside of Man of Steel. It's not my cup of tea. I think they veered completely right when they should have gone left, and that's completely up to Zach. So I, with that, I don't, I don't like Zach's vision. Her after Man of Steel, uh, and I don't want it to come back, but this gives them breath of life. And then when you got people like The Rock saying, "Listen to the van, listen to the fans," and the fans that are loudest on the internet are the Snyderverse fans, you, you know, you get a little concerned. See, and that's where I was going to leave it, but then uh, the Hollywood Reporter dropped this—I don't want to say bombshell, but further um, detailed information on what is going on with um, DC films. So apparently my read on the article is because there is no person, no figurehead over DC films, there are creators that are staking claims to different parts of DC right now, because there's nobody to say no this is what we're doing. And then Dolan knows out. They, that person might actually do the same things these people want. But right now, it just seems like people are coming in like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And like carving their little corners, so, so to speak. So uh, the article starts with talking about James Gunn. James Gunn, we know, director of the Guardians movies, did the Suicide Squad for DC, did the, the hit Peacemaker for DC. Apparently, he's... You know, he's he's still working on Guardians right now. But after that, it seems like he wants back in on DC and he wants pieces of their IP. Uh, the article says that he uh, there are some some things that he wants to work on, like a movie. It said a movie or a couple. Um, but it doesn't say what he what um, what IP that he wants. But, you know, James Gunn has a proven track record. If he wants to do something. More or less, I mean, even the people in, if there was a figure here in charge, they probably would let you do it. And I don't think James Gunn is going to want to, um, I don't think he's going to want like the real major characters. And even if he did, the way he treats them, like the way he did the Suicide Squad, again, it fits within the universe, but he did whatever he wanted. And that's cool. So I have no problem with that. But then you start going into, how this keeps progressing. So let's get into the Superman of it all. And it's going to touch into some of the things I mentioned earlier. So, uh, the Luca and Abdi 
they are the the heads of Warner Brothers right now, and they are acting as de facto heads of DC because there is no one. And it, it sounds more like more Deluca than Abdi, but they both want Cavill back as Superman, and they want him so much that they're basically gearing up for a Man of Steel two. We can only call it Man of Steel two for right now, but. They're gearing up for Man of Steel 2. They're going to bring in uh, producer Charles Charles Rovin. He produced the first Man of Steel. He produced all of the Zack Snyder films. Um, I don't know about Zack Snyder Justice League, but Man of Steel BVS Justice League. He was a producer for that. They're bringing him back. And it's, it seems like it's actively searching for writers right now. So it's not greenlit, but it's in pre-production more, some, somewhat. And with that project... They have a wish list, of, a wish list of directors. The only one the the article shared was uh, Chris McQuarrie, uh, who was a choice earlier in like 2019 when we could have done this in 2019 because McQuarrie is uh, he directed the Mission Impossible movies the last few, and that is also why he probably won't be able to do it because he is. Developing mission Imp- the next two Mission Impossibles together. They shot one, but they were like shooting them together. So he's still working on the second one right now. And it sounds like uh, because of that, it makes me think that they want this. They want to start working on this sooner than later, like probably shooting this like in the next year. That's what it sounds like to me. Uh, like a year from now, we'll be working on Man of Steel 2 to have it out in 2024. That's what it sounds like to me. Uh, so that kind of that might put the kibosh on Macquarie, or maybe he comes in and likes the pitch so much, and they talks him into letting him do it, and we might not see it till twenty twenty five. But at least we got Macquarie. I don't know, but that is you know again exciting for somebody like me. That's something that I want. But then we get into the Rock, and it says like. The Rock has his own plans that he wants for, for Superman. Uh, and he said as much in these press stores. He says that, uh, you know, they're developing where they want to go. And where they want to go is Black Adam versus Superman. And with this, you also have to remember, like I said before, The Rock's business partner, Danny Garcia, Henry Cavill's manager. Uh, the Rock is heavily... Um, was heavily involved in getting Cavill back into play. And the article gives more details on that, saying that Superman was not originally part of Black Adam. Why? Um, Because Walter Hermada, the the, um, leader of DC at the time that is currently on his way out, like literally as we speak on the way out this week, he didn't want it. He had his own ideas of Superman. He did not want Cavill in it, so he kept... um, Along the six-year road, he kept blocking them, and he blocked them for putting him in Black Adam. So Superman wasn't going to be there. The Rock went behind. Well, I get. I'm going to say behind Kamala's back, but he went to Superiors. He went to Deluca and Abdi, and pitched them the idea. They gave the okay over Kamala's head, and did some negotiations. Apparently, this had, like negotiations. Negotiations that lasted up until Labor Day. They had the deadline of getting it done by Labor Day. They did. Reshoots happened in September. Superman was added. So, so 
That sounds like two different plans for Superman. Now, that's not necessarily true. They can work in conjunction with each other, but the way the article breaks it down is like, okay, the the head guys want to do want this for Superman. The Rock has his plans for Superman. I think those I don't think those plans necessarily. I think they'll overlap. I think you can get both of them. It's just a matter of you have again people trying to stake claim uh, of the different IP, um, and and that's kind. Of, and that's like the major feel of this article. It's like creative C, there's a power vacuum. So they're trying to stake their claim now before another leader gets in. And they've set certain courses for it. And that can be fine. However, that's always been the problem with WB. Courses have been set. New leadership is brought in. New leadership has to let those courses play out. Normally, by the end of the time those courses play out, people are so disgruntled with what they've seen, they get rid of that leadership. But then that leadership has put in other things, and their courses have been set. So whoever comes in has to do the same thing. It's the same vicious cycle. This one feels a little different, because mostly because DeLuca is in charge of the studio. And DeLuca has been described as the fanboy, and like the he's like the fanboy advocate. So... If there is a sole DC person that comes in underneath him, I think he, because if they get away with this whole uh, reporting strictly to Zasloff and let him go through DeLuca, I think it's a smoother transition. It also made it sound like that maybe DeLuca might actually end up just running DC too. I don't know how that works with his regular workload, but he does seem to, I mean, he does seem to understand what, what to do with DC, at least from my bird's eye view, and I guess I'm mainly basing that on the fact that he wants to do a Man of Steel too. So take my words for, you know, a grain of salt or whatever. And then there's the matter of Matt Reeves. Matt Reeves is already um, working on, the working with the Batman. He has his The Batman movie, and basically everybody knows that basically Gotham is all his. That That's his... That's his claim. And he's further staking claim because he's working on, made it sound like multiple movies. He wants to expand the universe beyond with other movies as well as TV. He already has the, uh, the Penguin TV show in development. He's already working on the Batman too. But it said, the article said that, you know, he's thinking about expanding to the rogues as well, like Scare- Scarecrow, Clayface, Professor Pig. Um, it doesn't specifically say that they will get their own movies or if they're going to be in the Batman too. But, you know, staking his claim, he can, he's just making it known that this is his, don't touch his. Now, my beef with that is, um, okay, here's a hot take for you. I enjoy the Batman. However, I don't think from the general public's perspe- perspective, I don't think the Batman is enough of is different enough from the Nolan trilogy for general fans to distinguish between the two. And I think that will eventually be its detriment. Uh, it might already be its detriment as in the as the Batman only made 700 million where it should be a billion dollar franchise. I know COVID and whatnot, but it's just some for me 
is something to watch. I think because it's so close to the to the Nolan trilogy, I think it's going to be diminished returns on that series. When you're going to be rebooting characters so much, I think that's fine. And I think you can do that for, you know, you can reboot it for each generation. One, Batman was rebooted so close three times within such a close time frame. Um, And I know people be like, well, look at Spider-Man. Yes, look at Spider-Man. You had the first series that did well. The second series didn't do as well. It tread a lot of the same things as the first. And then when it tried to differentiate itself, it went too far. People didn't like it. The third iteration, how did it distinguish itself? It's part of the MCU. It makes it completely different from the other two. And that differentiation, differentiating factor, is a billion-dollar entity on itself. Batman, on the other hand, it was a billion-dollar entity it went to a share, a faulty shared universe that people didn't like. And then it came back and it went back to realistic and gritty. But that's just like the Nolan trilogy. And I think, but I think these, I think these two are vastly different, but aesthetically and the way that it just kind of feels to people, it feels the same to the audience, to general audience that are going to pay attention to the little things that I do. So I think the Batman being off on his own, I think eventually, I think it's going to be diminishing returns. I think people that like it will like it. I think Batman fans will like it. The general public will be okay with it, but I don't think they'll be rushing out to see it. Uh, I could be wrong. Hopefully I'm wrong. We'll see what happens in the future. Anyway, back to this article. And just a few, you know, a few loose ends. Well, actually, just one. Well, two. I, d- I talked about DeLuca acting as uh, the DC chief right now. And they made a point of saying that uh, they want, DeLuca and Abdi want more things in development and more things on the runway ready to go. Like, where that was a different, sh- that's different than Walter Hamada. Because, like, right now, we have. We've been like two years with like four DC projects. They keep getting moves and stuff, but those are the only ones that were ready. That's it. They want to be, seems like they want to be always in active development with something always on deck. And again, that, I mean, I don't even want to say that's akin to Marvel, but Marvel has their schedule and it, it, you know, it kind of flows. I don't even, but I don't think it's like that. I do think DC has enough stuff uh, that they could do it that way. They can always have something ready in the pipeline to come out every two, three, four months. So that that's just a different, that's a different um, leadership style. We'll see how that works out for him. And the last thing is the the straggling end of the Ta-Nehisi Coates written, J.J. Abrams produced Superman project that was supposedly going to star a black Superman. Uh, apparently that is still on the books as of right now. So are they going to move forward with that and put it under what they should eventually call the black label? Are they just going to do away with it? Nobody really knows, but you know, for people that assume that it just went away, it apparently has not. I kind of wish it would not because of Ta-Nehisi Coates, because I think you can tell the story of a black man with Superman-like powers and not use Superman. I think there are characters that already exist that you can do this with. 
My first thought is always Icon. I think Icon needs more eyeballs on him. I think that character is fascinating. I think a lot of people would like him and his story if done right. Um, and I know Tanahasi Coast is the quote unquote race writer, but for, the, for a quick primer on Icon, Icon has Superman like powers. He too was an alien that came to Earth. Um, he was not an infant. He came, uh, like, it was like the ship he was on. Uh, he had to, he got an escape craft. He crashed in the earth in the antebellum South, not antebellum South, in slavery South. And he took on the appearance of the, the first thing that his ship came encounter with. And it was a slave woman. So it made him into an infant black boy. And he grew up in slavery. And he's basically immortal. And he's stuck on Earth because we don't have the technology to get him back. So he lived from slavery south into present day. He grew up into a man um, through slavery, through Jim Crow, uh, through civil rights. And he basically became, he became the grand, like his, he was his own grandfather. So every time a generation would pass, he would just be, um, I forget his name. He would just be the first, second, third, fourth, and so on. And he gets motivated to become a superhero. But he meets a teenage girl who finds out about his powers. And she's like, you got these powers. You ain't doing shit. Come on, do something. He's so inspired by her. He takes up the mantle of Icon and and works as a superhero. And the dynamics are really there because it is a young teenage girl. And because of him having his roots in slavery, um, his creator and writer, Dwayne McDuffie, the great, late, great Dwayne McDuffie, uh, gave him a political affiliation. He was Republican. And, you know, a lot of people were, a lot of black people that you hear say they're Republican because their grandparents were Republican. It's because, you know, before the party switched ideologies, Republicans were the ones that, that uh, worked to free the slaves and were the party of black people until... They switched in, you know, the turn of the century. Um, and then, so he has that. Oh, and the tidbit about, tidbit about Icon. Icon was one of, uh, was a favorite of current sitting, um, uh, current sitting Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. Why? Because he was Republican. There you go. A little trivia for you today. Um, so him grappling with his ideas of what a Republican is, his conservatism, and then what he sees in dealing with, you know, the over-policing and the drugs, uh, drugs pouring into the community and all of that kind of stuff. I think Icon is a character ripe for that kind of storytelling. And I think it really is important to have a, a black Superman character. I, I think Icon should exist in a world with a Superman. So... Superman, who is all who is righteous and good, as righteous and good as he is, he meets Icon, and Icon's like, no, we're basically the same, but people are always going to look at me different than looking at you. And I think that is something that could be powerful if handled the right way, and I think Icon needs his just do. Anyway, I've rambled about Icon for like four minutes. I didn't mean to do that, but that was the gist of the article 
So it gave us a lot of answers. It gave us a lot of questions. Um, Warner Brothers is just, it just feels like such a mess. And DC feels like it wants to get itself together. But then you have this article drop that says, while it wants to get itself together, it is the way this is structured right now, it could go sideways really, really quickly. Like, if Black Adam was a failure, what does the studio do? Like, do they be, do they, what are they talking up to? Do they blame it on The Rock? Do they blame it on Superman? Or does The Rock have enough juice to survive a lackluster box office and be like, we're still going ahead with my plan? And they'll be like, okay, cool. I don't know. And that's what happens when you don't have someone at the top. So hopefully, DeLuca in this like semi permanent spot is enough of a steady hand and be like, okay. You want this, you want this, you want this, fine. We're going to stay steady with what you want for five years and see what happens. If the results don't improve over the five years, then yes, we have to change course. We have to do some different things. But we've got a whole course right now. And how can you hold course when the whole company is so fragile and so volatile and it feels like it can crumble down at any point? That and... That is what worries me the most with the whole DC thing is that Warner Brothers is in such a place that even if DC does manage to cobble together and get it right, there's no telling if Warner Brothers is going to like fold and screw it all over. I don't know. But anyway, um, I said I was going to go 30 minutes and I'm looking at it right now. I'm about 45 minutes in. I'm sorry I did the, the 15 minute runtime. I'm also sorry that uh, if I didn't give you enough piss and vinegar in this. Um, I mean, at this point, we've done this so many times. They take a lot of the piss and vinegar out of me, and they they were able to satiate me with the Superman stuff. So it kind of you know rounded the edges. But again, WB is always a thing. <sighs> I wish they weren't. I I really do. But that's what we're at. Anyway, um, I thank you for sitting here and taking this time with me. I hope I'm I was able to, um. Shed some light on some things for you. Give you a new perspective on some other things. Um, we'll be, you know, in the coming months, hopefully we're going to be doing some new things with movies on the brain. And uh, and I'm excited for the, the, the possibilities we have with that. And, you know, I love doing this with my good friend, Brian. I'm, I'm glad that he brought me in on this. I'm glad I get to do this. Uh, also, thanks to thanks to Brian. Also, thanks to uh, our producer extraordinaire, Grant Grant L. Fletcher. You can follow him on Twitter at Grant L. Fletcher. He had, his production has another account, and I should know it off the top of my head, but I don't. I'm sorry, Grant. Uh, we'll have it uh, when we send out the tweets for this. We'll have it there because that that account does Grant does good work from that account. He has. Uh, Sound clips and video and everything is really, really awesome. So we're going to send it out so you can have a chance to see that and experience that. It's really good and getting the word out. Uh, but you can follow my, my co-host, Brian, uh, on Twitter at uh, BCW Tiger Fan. You can follow me at The Mets Theory on Twitter. Uh, you can follow the pod on on Twitter at On The Brain Pod. And you can follow Grant at Grant L. Fletcher and the other account that we're going to 
I'm going to tweet out. But it, this has been fun. We'll talk to you guys again in a couple days.